Welcome to Volumes of Fear. Volumes of Fear. We hope you're ready for terror. Terror. Suspense. Suspense. And unimaginable horror. Unimaginable horror. That was great, Vorix. Thank you. I really just played off you. You did all the driving on that one. Nonsense. It was teamwork, and teamwork makes the dream work. It certainly does. What's next? Now, we hit the button and let the insanity begin. Prepare yourself for a tale of terror and suspense. Presented by Crimson Knight Productions. This is Volumes of Fear. Welcome to Volumes of Fear, my loyal lunatics. We're thrilled you decided to join us for this forthcoming broadcast. In today's story, we will hear about two siblings that are attempting to make a lucrative living. However, some differences between them leads to some tension, and hopefully a resolution will unite them once more. Loyal lunatics, enjoy this next entry into our catalogue of chaos, entitled, World Make a Killing. Kevin Francis and his older brother Kenneth had owned a small business for a number of years. The siblings would buy rundown homes, renovate them, and then sell them for a price much higher than what they had originally paid. This practice of flipping houses is not entirely uncommon. However, it can certainly be taxing, not only on one's checkbook, but it can also take a physical toll on the renovator or renovators. And such was the case for Kevin Francis. He was tired of the grind and hustle of buying a home, and hoping the repairs were minimal enough that a profit could be made from the eventual sale. So when his older brother Kenneth suggested they buy a bigger country house and turn it into a bed and breakfast, Kevin gave the thought serious consideration. The idea of an ongoing investment was appealing, and before Kevin knew it, Kenneth had found a house for the two of them to look at. It was in fact a grand home, out in the countryside that lies to the south of Eastridge. Kenneth was eager to see the house, and he arranged for both himself and Kevin to take a tour with the property's estate representative, Catherine Otey. So it's such a gorgeous house, as you can see. All these beautiful trees, and it's two stories. Everybody talks about this house. You two will be so popular having this house. I cannot wait to show you the inside. You're going to be blown away. I did so good on this house for you. Okay, fellas, right through here. Just take a gander at the rustic charm of this old country house. Wow, it's so rustically charming. Just like I said, did I do good or did I do good? Oh, Mrs. Ote, you didn't do just good. You did great. What do you think, Kevin? 
Yeah, it's, you know, something. How old is this place? The house was built back in 1904. Wow, that old. That's terrific, right, Kevin? Uh, yeah, Kenneth. It's old. So, as you fellas could see from the outside, the house is two stories. It has seven bedrooms. Wow, seven? That's more than six. Kenneth, let her finish. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Ote. That's okay, dear. Yes, seven bedrooms and three bathrooms. This large living room was standing in with a fireplace, a handsome foyer, a big kitchen and a dining room, and lots of closets. As you can see, the house is still furnished with bedroom sets and furniture that'll be yours as well, to do with what you would like. Oh, and there's a small library just past the dining room. A library? For books? Seriously, this house has everything. Including a ton of repairs. Yeah, it'd be a bit of a fixer-upper. But isn't that what you two specialize in? You know, repairs and all, and then reselling? Well, Mrs. Ote, this may be a different case for us. We're thinking of getting out of the rehab business and maybe into the B&B business. B&B means bed and breakfast. Aw, I know what it means, darling. The B&B business is about to boom here on our little East Ridge. I'm actually the president of the Chamber of Commerce, and we've been getting a lot of interest in B&Bs. I think Maplewood Manor will serve you both very well. Maplewood Manor? Yeah, that's what this house is called, Maplewood Manor, named after the original owner, Ulysses Maplewood. Kevin, I told you that. I told you it was called Maplewood Manor, and it's a very well-known house. Right. Sorry, Kenneth, I forgot. Well, I, for one, am ecstatic about Maplewood Manor and turning this into a B&B. That's great, dearie. Just great. Yeah, maybe we can put an offer in. Kenneth! Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Yeah, maybe we need to discuss things first. Yeah, how about we do that? Well, there's just one catch, fellas. Well, not a catch, but some disclosure. See, I'm sort of legally obligated to tell you this. A few years back, well, many years back, when the manor was first built, there was some nasty business here. What kind of nasty business? Ulysses Maplewood, the original owner, sort of went crazy one night. Oh, really? Yeah, some sort of woman trouble got him all riled up and he kind of killed one of the servants that worked for him. So it had chopped him up into a bunch of small pieces on the second floor and threw the remains down the staircase. There was a murder here? Yeah, and now people say that Maplewood Manor is haunted by the servant's ghost. Haunted? Really? I didn't see anything about that when I saw this listing online. Wait a minute. I know that act. Kenneth, the way you just said that, you knew this place was supposedly haunted. Fellas, that's just what the local nut jobs say. I've never seen anything here myself. It's certainly fascinating, though, and fun to think about. Do you know if anyone has done a proper paranormal investigation in here? Paranormal investigation? What? You mean, like, look for ghosts? Mrs. Ote, can you give me and my brother a minute? Sure, take all the time you need. I'll just step outside and spend a penny. Mrs. Ote headed outside and left Kevin and Kenneth alone in the living room. Kenneth was doing his best to pretend he didn't notice Kevin's frustration. He tried to make small talk to ease the tension. So, it's a nice place. Maybe could use a little paint. Maybe an accent wall. 
Kenneth, seriously, what is this? What do you mean, Kevin? You just want to buy this place because you think it's haunted. Kevin, hear me out. I admit I knew Maplewood Manor and its history, but we'd already decided to try the whole B&B plan when I saw this was listed for sale. So I just thought, maybe we could take a gander and let the chips fall where they may. We're not doing this, Kenneth. We're not going to make a huge investment because of your interest in all that stupid ghost stuff. Uh, stupid ghost stuff? Kevin! Kenneth, it's all stupid. Plain and simple. None of it is real. Not real? How can you say that? I've shown you the photos I've taken, especially that one from the last ghost hunt I was on. Kenneth, you started going on and on, saying that it was a glorb when it was clearly just dust in the air. It wasn't dust, and it's called an orb, Kevin. Orb. Whatever you want to call it doesn't change the fact that ghosts aren't real and we're not doing this. We're not going to make a huge investment just because some dork on the internet said that this place was haunted. Why can't you just appease me for once rather than cutting me down? <sighs> okay, Kenneth, tell me your logic. What were you thinking? Come on, sell me on this place. Look, people are fascinated by ghosts and the paranormal. Whether they're a true believer or maybe just a little or even not at all, people are intrigued by the mere mention of a ghost or that a place is haunted. If we use that as a sales pitch for our B&B, we'll always have people wanting to stay here. Even if this place isn't haunted, people will still want to stay here to find out if it is or not. Word of mouth is huge in any business, and this will attract people. Trust me, we'll make a killing. Kenneth made his case for buying Maplewood Manor and using the possibility of it being haunted as something to attract customers. Kevin patiently heard the argument and thought for a moment. He then had a response for Kenneth. Okay, Kenneth, here's what I'll do. I'll wager you. A wager? That's right. We stay here for one night and only one night. If I see a ghost, then we buy Maplewood Manor and we'll use the ghost paranormal thing to promote and advertise this place. But if I don't see a ghost, then we don't buy this place and whatever place we do end up getting, we will not use any sort of supposed ghost presence to promote it. Deal? Kenneth considered Kevin's wager. It was simple. They would spend the night in Maplewood Manor and if Kevin saw a ghostly being from the great beyond, then they would purchase the old home and promote it as a haunted bed and breakfast. But if Kevin saw nothing, they would move on to another location and forget about the whole paranormal promotional scheme that Kenneth had concocted. And you'll be honest. Yes, and if, or really when, it turns out there is no ghost here, I won't gloat. Okay then, you've got a deal, mister. Alright, now I'll talk to Mrs. Ote. I'll explain to her that we want to inspect the place for the night and see what she says. Okay, sounds good. Mrs. Ote, oh I'm sorry, I... I didn't mean to interrupt what you're doing. It didn't take long for Kevin to talk Mrs. Ote into letting the brothers stay in Maplewood Manor for the evening. Give me 50 bucks. After the quick conversation, they grabbed their overnight bags and got the house keys just as night was taken home. Mrs. Ote bid the brothers a good evening and left them standing in the living room of Maplewood Manor. So, here we are. Yep. Where are the ghosts at? It doesn't work like that, Kevin. Oh, how does it work then, Kenneth? Do they come out at a certain time of night, or do we need to summon them or call them? Maybe you have a phone number. I don't know. I guess I'm just unsure of what my expectations should be. Okay, Dr. Smarty Pants. Check this out. Kenneth began rummaging through his overnight bag until he found a packet of papers, which he then waved in front of Kevin's face. 
What is that? It's some of the research I found online about Maplewood Manor. According to what I found, Ulysses Maplewood, the man who built Maplewood Manor in 1904, built the manor for himself and his new wife, Harriet. However, Harriet ditched Ulysses for another man right after they moved in. Well, this turned into a major embarrassment for Ulysses, like a public scandal. So, one night, Ulysses couldn't take it anymore. He snapped and killed one of the servants. He used an axe and chopped the servant up. Then, he walked into town and entered the local tavern and just kept repeating the phrase, I am no fool. From there, he walked back outside and dropped dead in the street. Someone went back to his house and found the servant, hacked to pieces. So this guy, Ulysses, he was upset that his wife left him for another man after he built this house for her. He then went crazy and killed his servant, correct? According to the website I found, yes. <laughs> what a jerk. Belittle it all you want, Kevin. It doesn't change the fact that this house was the scene of a jilted lover committing murder. And now people think it's haunted. There have been reports throughout the years of people hearing Ulysses' voice, as well as sightings of the hacked-up servant. And this research you found online, does it have, you know, sources, references, citations, anything like that? No, but it's from the internet, so it has to be legit. Kenneth, you're trying to use evidence you found online that has no validation to try and convince me that this place is haunted. Well, we're going to find out if this place is haunted, Kevin. Now, that I'm curious about. How do you know when to look for a ghost? Like, are we supposed to stay awake all night? And even if we do, where are we supposed to see them? Like, is there one spot where they'll be? Do they hang out, you know, in the kitchen looking for a snack? In all my studies and research, I have found that paranormal entity sightings have several things in common. Wait, let me guess. They all take place in a really old house where something sordid happened. And the ghost or ghosts come out late at night, right? Yes, and I don't appreciate your mockery. Okay, I'm sorry, Kenneth. I'm just, you know, very skeptical. It's going to take a lot to convince me. In all seriousness, what is the plan? Well, for now, I think we can take it easy. In a few hours, as the night gets going, we'll do EVP recordings at a few different spots. Uh, what? An electronic voice phenomenon recording. Is that where we sit around and talk to ourselves and then hear the slightest house noise and just assume it's a ghost without properly looking into what might have caused the noise in the first place? The fun that Kevin was having at his brother's expense was beginning to wear on Kenneth. Kevin realized he was striking a nerve, and he knew he needed to back off, if only a little. All right, whatever you think we should do, I'm game. Can I ask one favor? Go ahead. Can I get a quick nap, maybe? I mean, we're going to be up super late, right? Like, we got to be vigilant and all, so I wouldn't mind getting at least some rest. Yeah, that might be a good idea. Okay, I'll crash on the couch for an hour or two. Then when I get up, we'll do an EDBM thingy, and hopefully we'll see or hear something, okay? All right, while you're napping, I'm going to explore the house a little. See if I can find some hot spots where the energy shifts. Yeah, good idea. Wi-Fi can be inconsistent when the energy shifts. Kenneth walked off to do his own assessment of Maplewood Manor, while Kevin kicked off his shoes and made himself comfortable on a nearby couch. It didn't take Kevin long to drift off, and soon enough he was sleeping. About two hours later, Kevin was in a deep sleep when his alarm went off. He slowly woke up and found himself rather groggy. Oh man, that 40 winks felt more like 80. <sighs> well, let's say we get a pizza from Santino Slice before we start all the uh, ghost business. Huh, Kenneth?
You in here? Kevin looked around the living room, but there was no sign of Kenneth. So he rose from the couch and began searching the first floor, hoping to find out where his brother had gone. Kenneth, you down here? Kevin looked all throughout the first level of the manor, but he could find no trace of Kenneth anywhere. Kevin then walked over to the staircase leading up to the second level. He looked up, curious to see if maybe Kenneth was up there. Kenneth, you up there? Kevin couldn't see much from where he was. However, he was certain he had just heard people walking around and talking. Kenneth! Hey! You hungry? Should we order a pizza before we begin the ghost stuff? Again, Kenneth got no response. A small irritation came over him as he began to make his way up the stairs. It took him only a few seconds to ascend the staircase, and there, on the second floor of Maplewood Manor, he found no signs of Kenneth. The lights were all off, and all the rooms were empty with their doors open. Hey, Kenneth, you up here? I guess not. Kevin was about to return to the downstairs when suddenly... A door slammed shut. Kevin stopped dead in his tracks. He slowly turned around and saw that it was a door to a bedroom at the end of the hallway. Then Kevin began to hear what sounded like voices from within the room. I've been cuckled by her and that Von Princeton man. Now everyone thinks me a fool. Kenneth, you in there? Please, someone help me. And still, no response. Kevin was now beginning to feel a little agitated by the situation. Yet this agitation began to turn into something else when a light began to seep from underneath the closed door. Kevin was certain that people were in the room now. He also knew that if Kenneth was one of the occupants, he surely would have said something by that point. Kevin slowly and cautiously moved down the hallway to the door, and then he leaned in closer to try and hear who might be in there. I've been coupled by her and that fun Princeton man. Now everyone thinks me a fool. But Mr. Maplewood, no one thinks that. Kevin was unsure of what he was hearing or who was talking. He continued to listen, with his curiosity growing. I'm no fool. Mr. Maplewood, please, don't come any closer. You and your giant sharp axe are scaring me. I am no fool. Please, someone help me. Kevin couldn't believe what he was hearing. The conversation was already filled with aggression, and now it was filled with violence. No! You sliced my knuckle! Stop! Stop hitting me! Kevin knew he needed to do something. He first tried to open the door. But he found that the door was locked. He then tried knocking and calling out. in there? Is someone being murdered? Kevin backed away from the door and watched as the light from underneath it grew brighter and stronger. Then he noticed that the door itself was beginning to pulse and bulge, like whatever grisly act that had occurred in the room was going to cause the door to break into a thousand pieces. 
What is going on? I am no fool! Kevin found himself in a state of shock as he backed down the hallway. The murderous voice from within the room continued to repeat itself. I am no fool! Kevin turned around to begin a hurried trip down to the first floor of the manor. However, he found that the staircase itself was seemingly moving further away from him. As if that wasn't strange enough, all of the bedroom doors closed on their own. Then Kevin saw that light was coming from under each of the recently closed doors, and those doors also began to pulse and bulge like the previous door. I Whatever was going on didn't stop there, as all of the doors then began to open and close on their own. Kevin was now witnessing that Maplewood Manor itself was going insane. I am no Terrified, Kevin began to run for the moving staircase while the doors continued to open and shut, and the murderous voice continued to ring out. I am no the light from under the doors was now shining all throughout the second floor in a full strobe effect as the doors opened and closed at a growing pace. Kevin ran and ran, using as much strength as he could muster, until finally he found himself at the staircase, tumbling down it, end over end, until he hit the bottom with a loud thud. Kevin picked himself up and realized the scene of terror was now over. He couldn't believe what he had just seen, when suddenly he heard a voice. Kevin? It was the voice of Kenneth coming from the living room. Kevin had never felt so relieved. He quickly dashed into the living room to find a fire crackling in the fireplace, and Kenneth sitting calmly on the couch. Kevin, what's wrong? What was with all those doors slamming? I I can't even describe what just happened. Where were you? I was outside getting firewood. That's probably why you couldn't find me. Now, slow down, start from the beginning, tell me what just happened. I took a nap and you went to look around on your own. When I woke up, you weren't here. I went looking for you and I thought I heard you on the second floor. So I went up there and then I heard voices and then someone started shouting and then I heard someone being murdered or hurt or whatever and then the hallway went all goofy and there was a light and the door started bulging and opening and closing. Then I fell down the stairs. It sounds like you might have had a paranormal experience. I don't know. I'm not sure. I heard things. Strange things. Was it all in my head? Like, did my imagination run wild? Maybe it was something structural with a house or something. So after all of that, you're still a skeptic? I'm not sure what to believe. Well, then turn around. Kevin turned around slowly and saw at the foot of the stairs that he had just fallen down, there was a man who appeared to be transparent, surrounded by a blue glowing light. He was dressed in old-timey clothes and looked like he suffered mortal wounds from an axe. Who... Is that? I think that's the ghost of the servant that was killed here. Kevin looked at the ghostly apparition and realized that everything that happened to him on the second floor was not in his head, but was real. Kenneth, you're right. If we buy this place and use the paranormal activity that occurs here to promote it, we'll make a killing. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I didn't mean any offense. Ah, what a terrifying number we just heard. There's nothing like a haunted house to really get the blood pumping. And of course, a happy ending for both Kevin and Kenneth. I'm sure they will see continued success in their business ventures. Now, on to a rather pressing matter. As a condition for airing volumes of fear, the management of Eastridge Public Radio has asked that I do a little PSA and read off some events that will be happening in our little town of Eastridge. So, here goes. <clears throat> on Monday, there will be underwater crocheting lessons at the aquarium. Later, on Monday evening, there will be a class on silver bullet manufacturing at Skeeter's Shootin' Range. That should be interesting. Skeeter's quite the character. On Tuesday evening, McCutcheon Industries presents the 12th Annual Town Square Barbecue. I'm sure they'll be grilling up all sorts of delectable treats. And no, I doubt they will have vegan options. Wednesday, you and a loved one can join in on a ride-along with Police Chief Crumity. I'm not sure what attendance will be like, considering that so many residents have already done a ride-along with the chief. Nonetheless, it should be fun. On Thursday, there will be a ribbon-cutting at the Garlic and Crosses Emporium, and then on Friday, for those suffering from melancholy and exhaustion, advanced lounging and reclining will be offered at a few more days' nursing home. Finally, this weekend, there will be a Bigfoot scavenger hunt at the Eastridge Forest Preserve. Now, that bit of housekeeping has been attended to. I invite the newest member to the Volumes of Fear gang, Vorix the Terrible, to read some fan mail. Take it away, Vorix. Thank you, Piedmont. Our fan mail this week comes from Lincoln Thomas, a resident in Peaksville. It reads, Dear Mr. Montgomery, I am a writer who self-published a book. So, I am an expert on everything. Your show is terrible and not scary in the least. I am not sure why you keep doing these. No one is entertained. Everyone hates you. If only you could make a story that was actually entertaining, maybe people wouldn't want to vomit after listening to your shows. Well, that is a bit of a, bit of a downer. Seriously? How negative and nasty! Yeah, really, what a jerk! Want me to find him and torture him? I can do that, you know. Oh, my Vorix. Your devotion and enthusiasm is certainly something to be praised. But alas, it is just one man's opinion. Right now, though, I need to wrap things up. My loyal lunatics, find us on all the social media outlets. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search Volumes of Fear. And a big thank you to Vivacomp Media. Vivacomp Media presents our shows and plays a big role in the production of them. We are eternally grateful to them for their efforts, just as we are eternally grateful to all the loyal lunatics who turn in to Volumes of Fear regularly. Until next time, share the scare and like the lunacy. This episode of Volumes of Fear featured the acting talents of J.C. Rositas, Andy Collins, Rachel Collins, Nathan Pratt, and Derek DeBoer. It was produced by Andy Collins and J.C. Rositas from a script written by Andy Collins. Audio editing and mixing, original music, and sound design was by J.C. Rositas. The artwork was created by Derek DeBoer. 
Additional writing and foley work was by Swirl. This episode was presented by Vivacomp Media. Visit them online at vivacomp.net. Follow Volumes of Fear on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.